You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 137. I'm your host, Andreas Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jan Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey son, hey son! Woohoo! Finally! The three musketeers are back together the team, again. The team is back Finally. together. Yes. Yeah. Where have Great. you been, Yelena? <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been on the world tour of Scotland. <laughs> world tour of Scotland. The world yeah. tour of Scotland. And I saw nice. Healand Coos. <laughs> the what? The fucking what? <laughs> this, these are the animals you can only see in Scotland. Oh, the holy cows. No. <laughs> the holy cows. Yeah, they're kind of like that. But they're quite hairy. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure mm. they're holy, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they are. They look very do they holy. eat them? Uh, they, they, they pretty much eat them all, right? So um, <laughs> Probably do. No, they know, can't what? be as holy as in India, for example. No, no, no. no, no. They're holy, but they eat them still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They eat them still. Uh, hide hair and everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but mm. uh, there, there are things that are holy and you can still eat them. Um, imagine mm. when uh, you do, you're doing the communion. The, the, yeah, the communion. The magic crackers. Yeah. Yeah, magic crackers. Yeah. <laughs> the magic crackers. There are right. magic crackers that that very kind of erotic. Um, erotic act. Like <laughs> uh, oh. you, you you put it in your mouth. Uh-huh. You you use your tongue and the the saliva in your mouth to to oh, you should just soften soften it and <laughs> isn't that something okay sorry i, 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 I don't, don't know wanna... i don't I, don't, I think you know we have priests and we will talk about that later in the show we have priests all over the world with very strange uh, ideas about things but so don't put uh, you know ideas in their heads yeah sorry sorry i i think mm. we can still use it as a bit of a segue to to a later <laughs> segment that we're gonna have on this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. And what have you what what have you guys been up to lately? Uh yeah, I don't know. We we know that you've been traveling, but Well, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah we know, but maybe the listeners re- don't really know what what you've been up to, Jelena. Tell us. Yeah, no. I, I was very skeptical, skeptically related. We have traveled around Scotland for a better, well, actually over two weeks, 15 days. Uh, on the motorbikes, both of us, me, me and Brad, and um, now that first. you have one, of your yeah, own, now right? that I'm a proper biker girl, <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was really exciting and thrilling and tiring at the same time. Actually, I was completely wiped out the whole Sunday spent in bed. Uh, please note preparing for the show. So there you go. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes, haven't really done any skeptic in the pubs. I guess I should have been more prepared. Kind of made an effort, but we stayed in a very country kind of villagey places out of the the main roads so yeah you, you didn't get to meet any of our friends in glasgow I or did, edinburgh i did get to meet one of our friends uh, near glasgow who was brian uh, Ega, we met for a cup of coffee oh nice Ooh, nice good yes um because he lives not far and we we, we were just going onto our way to one of the castles Although the many, many castles, anyway, and stopped to see him and kind of had a really nice chat and a cup of coffee and 
just caught up about things. Not again, not skeptic related, to be honest with you. <laughs> things. Yeah, and just life stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's Very always good, nice then. just to have a, a, a nice chat yeah, with, with yeah. Brian. I, I think nice I brought I brought up the idea again of next year going to the fringe and camp. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, camping. Yeah. Keep thinking about it. Actually, more I think about it, more it makes sense. We should definitely yeah. do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was there for the fringe, uh, for for a weekend. Mm. Yeah. How did it go? I didn't actually. I don't think well, I spoke to you guys. I I don't think I had ever seen that many people at one place ever in my life before that. So Ooh, it really? was it was unbelievable. That was my that my first time ever to to be there in in Azumbro, uh, during the fringe, and it was it was just totally out of this world. Like massive crowds of people marching on the street just walking just 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 being present being there and i gave a talk for um skeptics on the fringe yeah how did it go yeah it went i think it went pretty well you're probably gonna hear about it on um the the edinburgh skeptics uh, podcast at some point because they oh did the, the other esp the other edinburgh skeptics podcast yes the other esp yeah, exactly yeah. And they were so nice. So, mm. and we had a little issue with uh, my flight back, and and uh, Sean Slater, who's um, the the leader of Edinburgh Skeptics, been on the show as well. Been yeah. on the show on several occasions. Uh, he took such good care of me. Um, I I got to to spend uh, the night in their house. They were so lovely, uh, both him and his wife. Uh, and and I enjoyed it immensely. And the weather, oh my god, I love Scottish weather during the winter. Mm. Oh, sorry, during the summer. In the <laughs> winter, you... never been no. never been in Scotland during the winter, but I'd like to. <laughs> yeah, but in the mm. in the in the summer, it's the only place that I mm. find bearable. Yeah. What What about you, Pontus? Oh, um, what have you been up to? I'll be, I'm busy, you know. I, I people of yeah, you're a big you're a big boss. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not the big boss. There's a, there's a big big uh, misconception here <laughs> that the 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 role of the president or the chairman of the board is to make sure that decisions are made, not to make all the decisions yourself. So I'm coordinating what's going to happen, but I'm not. You know, people shouldn't think that I'm, I'm deciding everything yeah uh, but but there have been a uh, yeah there's been a little bit of that I, I I need to to coordinate and make sure everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. you know uh, make sure that and I have a, lots of ideas for the Swedish skeptics going forward uh, we'll see if we can uh, you know uh, make half of them happen that's good but at least we are it's, I think it'll be sort of a little bit of a new start for the swedish skeptics i hope so good looking forward to hearing from uh, the uh, anything yeah. that's new and and i will let you know yeah good 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 oh guys b- b- before we get into the, the the actual show can i tell you a little bit about, about my latest adventures of course yes you know that i travel for a living right so traveling is not that much of a of a holiday activity for me Mm. (laughs) so what is is trying out new things and this time i decided to treat myself for a car rental that is not just any type of car it's an electric car oh excellent how did you find it a tesla not a tesla it's a nissan leaf Uh and i love it 
Mm-hmm. It's with me for a week, and I travel around. I'm, I'm trying different things. I'm trying doing some experiments as to how long I can drive, what the the range is, and and what I can I can get out of it, and uh, how uh, easy it is to charge it and everything. But the feeling of driving an electric car uh-huh. doesn't compare to anything else. Oh, really? It really? is oh, so, amazing. So, can I ask? Are you back in Hungary now? Or, I am back or... in Hungary for a week. Yeah. And and that week uh, I'm spending with, obviously not, it doesn't... On the road. On the road. No, 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 not on the road. But um, I I travel around a lot, even when I'm home. Mm. I have to go go, uh, do stuff, just meet people and and everything. And I'm using this car. Mm. And wow. Yeah, interesting. I've decided that if and when I actually decide to buy a car at some point, it will definitely have to be an electric car. Ah, okay. Yeah, I do recommend it to everyone. And because electricity is much cheaper than than fuel, running it costs about, I I don't want to exaggerate, but about one-fifth, one-sixth of of the price of running it on fuel. Really? Yeah. So it's it's really cool. It's very economical huh. and it gives you the good feeling of uh, of being a bit cleaner than than usual. I, I do understand. I know it's not that it's simple. And I understand that no. you have to generate electricity as well to to be able to run it. And I, I've just come from uh, Canada, where um, in, for example, in uh, the province of Quebec, electricity is generated mostly on renewables, namely uh, water. Mm. And it's not the case in Hungary, I, I know exactly. But still, generating electricity in larger scales is much more efficient. So, yeah, mm. that's, that, okay. that, that's my latest adventures, and, and I'm really excited about them. Very good, yeah. Mm. I was always wondering what it's like to drive one of these. Try it. There are more and more car uh, rental companies that mm. that mm. offer the option of, of renting a, a, an electric car. Yeah, bear so in mind, yeah. You, you should. All right. Oh, there is one more thing. I'm so excited that um, I read a very nice interview with uh, Massimo Polidoro on Massimo. on uh, Skeptical Inquirer's website, and it was done by Susan Gerbeck. Yeah, and it kills me to read about all of uh, Chikap Fest and everything because you you probably know that I I'd been planning to go to Chikap Fest, but you're not, and I'm not going. Oh, because I have to work mm. because of illnesses and stuff and. I had to jump in, and uh, yeah, so I'm not going to Chick Up Fest, and it's and Massimo talks about how great an event it will be, and and how cool it is. They even mention me by name on this article, and how how Ooh. much I am looking forward to going there again. And now I'm not, I'm not going, so I feel I know. bad. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, right. So, so this is in Padua, in in uh, Italy. What, it what is. The dates? What's our dates? I think it's the 14th and 16th of September. Yeah. So just a couple of couple of weeks, two weeks from now, actually. Wow. Don't do like uh, Andras. Go there. Yeah. Yeah. Go there if you can, and please let me know how it went. Yeah. Do we have uh, anybody on in in going to, that can give us a rundown afterwards? What happened? Oh, that would be great. That would yeah. be great. Anybody who's going there and is listening to this show now, uh, yeah. please let us know, and we will interview you afterwards and and 
and you can tell us how it was. Definitely, it's a good idea, and let's do that. But obviously, you need to know how to contact us, and that is... Yes, we have various ways for you guys. Um, you can email us. Our uh, email address is info at theesp.eu. Um, you can also go on Facebook, like us there, and follow us, and message us directly. We respond. Uh, you can go on Twitter. Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. Um, and also you can go onto our own website, which is theesp.eu and complete a contact form on there. Yeah. And when you go to our webpage, make sure that you click on this the events in Europe uh, uh, link and you will see... All the things that are happening in Europe uh, when it comes to skeptical events like skeptics in the pub and conferences and, and things like that. And if you really like what we're doing, you really should go to, to patreon.com slash the ESP and pledge to, to send us a dollar or two or five for each episode that we release. That, that helps a lot. Yes. And I assure you, it will be very much appreciated. And we thank mm. our existing supporters very much. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. But with all of that covered, I think it's time for us to sh start the actual show. And that is with Yelena talking about something that happened this week in Skepticism. Yes, it's um, it's it's actually an event uh, that happened on the fifth of September of nineteen ninety six. It's a relatively new event, but I thought it's worth talking about um, just for what it was. And it was a libel suit uh, that has been filed uh, by a, a historian called David Irving uh, against Penguin Books and Deborah Lipstadt. Um, who has um, published a book uh, called Denying the Holocaust. And she specifically named this historian, the, Mr. Irving, in his book, in her book, sorry, and said that he was one of the most dangerous spokespersons for Holocaust denial, familiar with historical evidence. He bends it until it conforms with his ideological leanings and political agenda. So he, she basically called him outright, the Holocaust denier, and he took her to court and sued her for libel. It was done, she was an American writer, but he was based in Britain. So it was done via the uh, British court, High Court of Justice. Um, and the system that's set up here in Britain is such that if somebody sue you for libel, then it's in the ball is in your court to prove that uh, whatever you said about that person is true and factual, and it's not actually made up lies. And so it, is that is that still the case? Yeah, well, at least it was the case for for what for this particular. Uh, the the case that I'm talking about, okay. and therefore um, Penguin Books spent a lot of money, uh, around two million dollars, uh, investing in uh, experts, um, hiring people to research David Irving's works. Um, it took him probably two years to gather the necessary information, um, and so in 2000 uh, he was the finally the court has made decision and um, luckily they ruled against uh, David Irving and in favor of Penguin Books and Deborah Lipstadt um, therefore establishing the fact that he is indeed a Holocaust denier and uh, has banned the truth as she's mentioned in her 
books. As a, as a consequence of this trial, uh, David Irving was declared bankrupt. Um, he was ordered to pay £150,000 as um, just a, a basic charge, the first instalment of the £2 million that he owns now after the trial is finished and the money has been spent on the lawyers. Um, he doesn't have that kind of money. He's got some assets like houses, etc. So probably those are taken off him. And... Um, I guess it's it's great great that he that this case is now part of the case law and this case libel case is part of the case law. Um, people can refer to it, and it definitely the justice has won, and uh, it was uh, on a side of truth in this instance. Surprising, of course, then still these things are happening, and people he's he's a historian. He's got you know. It, proper education, he, he's got the proper knowledge, and yet he's chosen to cherry-pick the facts to fit his, uh, his racist agenda and uh, try, try to create this image. And in, in fact, somebody was mentioning that he was trying to uh, make Hitler look as if he wasn't such a bad guy, <laughs> and he hasn't really killed that many Jews. <laughs> huh. Yes, so there you go. Good outcome for, for this case, and uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be an example or, or some sort of a learning lesson for those who want to do the same uh, and take people to court. And we actually know someone who has been taken to court, don't we? Um, mm -hmm. It's... Simon Singh. Simon Singh, yes, of course. That's why I'm... That's uh, hence my question at the beginning, whether it's still the case, because yeah. uh, um, as a result of Simon Singh's case, there was the libel reform ah, that, okay. well, that so took, that took place after before. 2013, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that that's happened in two thousand. So it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this was before that. Yeah. So yeah, it sets to good precedent. Yeah, still can't really get my head around how people like this exist. You know, the Holocaust deniers. Hmm. First of all, and second of all, how do they get support? Because he started his trial with the support, financial support of four hundred people around the world. So he kind of advertised, you know, I'm suing this uh, publishers. Hmm. Please help me get some funding, and people rallied behind him. And that's another scary thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, really. So there we go. Mm. That's my story for the day. <laughs> there is no... <laughs> I would say nice, but it's not. So well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's scary that it exists. This kind of this suit exists to begin with, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was not enough uh, tension generated by this in the general public, apparently, that uh, it uh, so that it could have triggered the something that led to the libel law actually what what was done after simon singh's case which is a good achievement it's a great achievement i have to say yeah it's amazing yeah by the way all right thank you very much yelena all righty all that means that we are moving on to our other segment which is uh, covering a couple of news items so let's crack on with that So let me start with a very quick one, and that is that we all know, we are all aware that uh, we, in this time and age, we do need organizations that are there to promote science and to uh, promote scientific thinking, to propagate everything that science has to offer. Oh, yeah. And 
it is exactly what happened with the Valencian Federation of Popular Science that was recently brought into life and they are they aspire to represent coordinate and structure the work in uh, developing partnerships and uh, groups dedicated to science education and scientific communication in the community of Valencia and the I, I will try to say the name of it just because I think it's nice to try, uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to butcher it. So uh, I apologize to everyone who listens to this and speaks Sp- Spanish as a first or as a second language at all. So in my interpretation, it goes Federación Valenciana de Divulgación Científica. Ole! No, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Sounds fine to me, but we'll see what yeah. our Spanish <laughs> listeners think. Yeah, please let us know. But be very gentle, please. <laughs> and they do not have a website yet, but they do have a Facebook page, which you can uh, check out. And they have a Twitter account as well. So do follow them. And they are trying to collaborate with institutions at university, research centers and municipalities. So it really looks great. And based on um, a photo that they published on their Facebook page, um, there is a quite an, um, a large number of people there. Um, and luckily, and I'm very happy to see that there are women um, among them as well. Uh, quite a few. So it's pretty good. Go Valencian skeptics, yeah, uh, and oh, not not just skeptics. I know uh, they don't do it for in the name of skepticism in itself, but obviously they will have to uh, come across that at some point. So good job. Wish you all the best. Right. Our next uh, news item is the regular measles update because oh. people know listening to this show that we have to follow this disaster that is actually happening across Europe. Uh, we've been talking about this for one and a half years and it still needs talking about. Uh, we're not going to do a full inventory this week, but uh, there are, you know, based on previous previous reports, it's reasonable to assume that by now the number of cases in Europe are uh, passing like 5,000 cases and around 70 deaths. Uh, we talk, of course, about Ukraine who's in the top of the list with more than half of those cases like around 30,000 cases fortunately actually about Ukraine it's just like I mentioned on episode 135 the number of incidents are now decreasing a little bit so it's down to about only in quotation marks 600 new cases per per week instead of a thousand it's still crazy high numbers though but it seems to be going uh, the trend is in the right direction ukraine is then followed by serbia romania france greece italy and russia in england is getting closer to a thousand cases this year with the 300 cases just in london itself so far there is there are also minor well minor but there are also scattered reports like uh, 13 cases in Dublin uh, during the summer which is worrying and there the health of uh, representatives have gone out to, to remind people that you need two doses of the MMR vaccine to uh, to feel that you're really covered and if you if you suspect you have the measles don't go to the hospital without first contacting your general practitioner, your GP, 
This is because the disease is so contagious that bringing it to the waiting room at the hospital risks further sp- spreading. So, so please be and that that good of course doesn't. It's good advice, not just for Ireland, but for for anyone. Also, since measles do not recognize any borders, I should mention that there is also other places in the world where this is happening. There is a fear of an outbreak in Texas with with uh, some uh, new cases there. Worst of all uh, that I've heard of uh, is a report from the Amazons, where the indigenous oh. Yanomami people, I'm sorry if I butcher that, they've reported 53 deaths from measles recently. And there's uh, an actual fear that measles may wipe out their entire community. And this is like an echo, echo from the you know the Middle Ages when when uh, yeah when the <laughs> I was going to say the same thing yeah the Spanish uh, conquistadores came to South America and and won the war not actually so much by by fighting but by bringing diseases yeah and uh, so it's really terrible. Please get your vaccinations going. It, it's really, really, really important, not just for yourself, but also for others. And if, if it hadn't been for the anti-vax movements, we would really be in a totally different place by now. Exactly. And that anti-vax sentiment is mostly propagated by by uh, the alternative medicinal practitioners, right? Yeah. A couple of days ago, uh, Edzard Ernst wrote about that on his website. And mm-hmm. uh, it's unbelievable. It, he has a very long list of his own articles that go into details as to how the anti-vaccination movement is linked to certain different parts in within the the um, complementary and alternative yeah. medicine realm. It seems very, very clear that they are the ones probably responsible for this uh, the, the, this series of events and these um, these incidents because they are propagating false information and they 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 feed people the wrong kind of attitude and it shouldn't be happening yeah no absolutely it really shouldn't be happening whereas on the other side i i don't know if you've read it but uh steve novella published an article on uh, science-based medicine mm-hmm. about the same thing about two weeks ago the title is vaccines still don't cause autism and uh, he goes into detail as to why that is and he provides um all the necessary links that lead to certain uh articles and and papers and it's so clear that it's not happening so people please don't fall for those false claims of of anything bad happening to your ch- child because of vaccinations hmm. when it happens it's only a very rare 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 occasion and it has something in the background some kind of a deficiency in your immune system that causes troubles but that means that an, an actual disease would actually kill you. So, all right. Sorry, sorry, sorry for the rant. It's... <laughs> <laughs> did you know, guys, that coconut oil is poison? Ooh. No, 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 I did not know that. But it's also, but it also cures all the diseases. It's kind of both at the same time. Ooh. It depends. It depends, really. Chem- is, is it like chemo? It's a bit, that's... yeah, it cures cancer, of course. It's a poison and it kills, yeah, yeah, sure, of course. But then, but then, of course, if you have it, you die. Okay. Like, whatever. 
Like, it's the worst thing that you can have. Tell us more. Yeah. No, so this was an article that um, our, our friends on Give Your Pair posted. Um, German skeptics, yeah. Uh, at the beginning of this week, yes. Um, and um, it, it kind of caught my attention because I'm like, what the hell are we on about now? Because I haven't heard that about coconut oil. I've heard it about other things, but no hype about coconut oil. And so they, they link into this um, lady's youtube video that basically says coconut oil will uh, is poison just like that i think i think she also did the video prior to that saying that milk is poison so you know where it's going anyways <laughs> and um she's basing it actually to be fair on on this lady she's basing it on a professor american professor who gave a talk in the freiburg university germany freiburg university dr karen mitchell um saying that it, it is indeed pure coconut oil is pure poison and she is uh, obviously qualified uh, professor uh, with a good reputation and she came out to Freiburg uh, and she she's given this lecture and she's attracted all this attention and people are taking her word seriously I mean you probably would if you have some sort of respect to, to, towards this profession. I don't know. I mean, although we do say about the uh, authorities that we shouldn't just bl uh, um, blindly believe anything they say. So she started this craze. Okay, she did refer to a case. And uh, when I looked at this case, it looks pretty bad. Um, there was this dude called August Engelhardt. Um, and he hasn't lived that long. He was only 43 when he died. Um, he was a German author and a founder of a sect of sun worshippers. And one of the things he worshipped, as well as the sun, was coconut. And so he moved to this, I don't know, far place in New... somewhere. I don't know where. And um, he um, started um, worshipping the coconut. And everything... I think that's all he ate. I think that's all he ate for, for a long, very long time. Coconut and coconut oil. Uh, coconut uh, uh, juice. And um, basically, you can't, you can't just survive on coconuts. That's just basic <laughs> common sense. <laughs> you can't just eat coconut. So let me guess, he died? He lost a, a tremendous amount of weight. Um, like his picture on, on Wikipedia, he looks like a little skeleton person. And then he he, di he died, yeah. He died very young, 43. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. How, where did he get the coconuts from? From the trees. Yeah, because losing weight uh, can be caused by a massive diarrhea as well. And if he got it, got them the coconuts from from a country where um, uh, um, some kind of illness could be imported as well, that is, um, yeah, that is a way to go. I'm not sure. Yeah. If you want to lose weight and your so life. I if, if, I if I understand it, he, he went to a place where there was lots of sun and coconuts. Oh, okay. So he, 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 right. he probably yeah, yeah. picked them himself. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, he had this whole thing set up, the planta the coconut plantation and things. So um yeah, so I think various people tried to convince him to, to eat other things other than coconut, like meat, for example, good for you. Mm -hmm. But that's a controversial thing to say nowadays, you know. So anyway. Yeah, so he's one of um, one of his friends, I'm assuming, uh, who said better to eat pork and live than to eat coconut and die. Well, not in this case. He obviously preferred to die. Um, but in any case, so they brought us to, to the attention because actually the coconut was also known not so long ago for its curing everything powers as well. So mm -hmm. there was a hype about a coconut oil being the best thing invented since sliced bread and... Um, coconut water being great and 
and I'm sure I'm sure somebody somewhere claimed that coconut cures cancer. I'm sure there's something like that out there. But of course it doesn't, and we shouldn't be. Why do we always find ourselves between these two extremes? It's either really really good or it has to be really really bad. Yeah. Nothing is ever really really good or nothing is ever really really bad. It's always somewhere in between the gray area. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Moderation is the key. That's what I'm propagating here. Moderation. Yeah. Um, so yes, boys and girls. I don't know what to suggest to you about coconut oil. <laughs> well, don't don't it, don't, don't fear it. it. Don't stay away from it just at every cost. But don't try to live on it. As yeah, the don't only try to thing. live just on coconuts. I cannot imagine idea. myself yeah. eating only coconuts. Have you ever eaten fresh coconuts? <laughs> Yeah, it's not very exciting. No, it's it's no, just nothing. Yeah. But once you eat a whole a whole coconut, the inside of a whole coconut, uh, you your stomach starts feeling feeling a bit weird. Mm-hmm. So no, I cannot imagine myself eating only that. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, there you go then. <laughs> Don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's that's the take home message. <laughs> don't yeah, do that, yeah. please. Um, well, unfortunately, I couldn't. Um, I, I don't know, guys, if you can suggest. I couldn't watch the video because I obviously I don't have any way to translate it from German language. Uh, do they sometimes have subtitles on YouTube? Yeah, English subtitles. Yeah, and there are a lot of German videos okay. with mm. subtitles on. So okay, well, we'll link we'll link the article and the video in our. Um, no show notes, but um, for non-German speakers, I don't know. <laughs> you can just imagine what she said. Yeah, but if there are German speakers out there who want to translate it and uh, put up a, a subtitle to that, they're more than welcome to do so. Yeah, indeed. All right, talking about foreign countries, non-English speaking countries. Luckily, there are a couple of countries where English language articles still pouring out from uh, about certain topics and that is the case with a French university the University of uh, Lille in northeast France where they decided to drop homeopathy because of the debate going on about alternative medicines but that means that they had a degree in homeopathy in the first first place to offer Mm. which is really bad I wouldn't recommend that to anyone but Luckily, as it seems, the Faculty of Medicine's Dean, Didier Gosset, uh, who confirmed the Twitter post that announced this decision, to, and he, he confirmed it to AFP, the news agency, according to him, I'm, and I, I quote, it has to be said that we teach medicine based on proof, we insist on absolute scientific rigor, and it has to be said that homeopathy has not evolved in the same direction that is a doctrine that has remained on the margins of the scientific movement, that studies on the homeopathy are rare, that they are not very substantial, he explained. That's that's very that's very polite of him. It is. You know, if you look if you look at the studies of homeopathy, you will find that it, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't work at all. And exactly. that the theory behind it is totally, you know, pre-scientific uh, bullshit. Yeah, exactly. But he got into the the right conclusion. I have to say that continuing continuing to teach it would be to endorse it. Yeah, and that's the key. Yeah. Whenever a university decides to teach homeopathy or any kind of alternative medicine, that is an endorsement in itself. So you should be very, very careful as to what you endorse 
at your university. Yeah. Because your reputation is so. at stake. And not only that, but the well-being of people is at stake. Yes. Because if you give credit to an alternative medicinal practice with providing a degree on that, that becomes your fault if it starts spreading and it causes trouble. Mm. Right? Yeah. So it's it's easy as that. And this is not coming without any kind of uh, precursor to that because there there was in in March uh Le Figaro which is uh one of the widest circulating papers and newspapers in France. Um there was an open letter of doctors and health workers, 124 of them, calling for alternative medicine to be cut from both the public health system, and university teachings. And they specifically mention homeopathy in that, uh, which is which is rightly so. It came as a result of the report in 2017 by the European Academy Science Advisory Council that confirmed that homeopathy totally lacks any kind of proof of efficacy. Hmm. That's it. Don't teach it at universities because it's it doesn't work. Hmm. It's bogus. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank good. you. Good night. Yeah, thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, got some good news from the University of Alicante in Spain. Yeah. Finally, good news. Um, they're doing a course on promoting and fostering interest in science. Mm. and critical thinking. This, this course is only a couple of days long, actually, and it's happening um, this week, 5th, 6th, and 7th of September. Um, doesn't cost that much, and um, it, it runs through those three days um, and consists of 20 teaching hours. The timetable is on online. Um, but the main objective of this course, and I'm hoping that this is the first of many, many, many to come, and maybe already there are a, a few out there that we're just not aware of, is to the dissemination of science, uh, so present science in comprehensible way and acceptable to all, P promoting scientific culture, scientific method, so uh, promoting knowledge of science um, to all, regardless of whether or not they have received scientific training, which is very important. We, we talk about scientific methods as if people really should know about those, but quite a lot of people don't have an, an idea of, you know, what the scientific method is all about and why we're so excited about it. Exactly. So then they also will look at how to, uh, they also will learn how to look at the sources um, of reliable scientific information um, or how to look at the sources of scientific information and determine whether they are reliable indeed. Um, how to recognize pseudoscientific fallacies, uh, well, how to recognize fallacies and pseudoscientific links and uh, information. Um, so I think it's a great all-around course with quite a lot of good speakers. Uh, that So there's one from applied physics, one from cell biology, one from chemi uh, chemistry. So there's a, a range of professors. And um, they'll be each talking about, uh, presumably, their, their areas of expertise, but trying to just convey this scientific understanding to people who are not particularly scientifically maybe minded or not necessarily educated in that area. And so great, great little course. 
presumably available in everybody or to everyone in the uh, University of Alicante and maybe even from outside because it's actually priced separately. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. So you can probably probably take it as a separate course uh, on its own. That's great, great news, and uh, let's hope we're gonna hear more about similar um, uh, little courses popping up uh, that here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. well done. Speaking of good news, we actually have uh, another good news coming up here. Uh, getting vaccinated is a good thing, and we've talked about this before. And something is happening now that I and we have hoped for uh, for some time: HPV vaccination. HPV vaccination of girls have been a thing since around 2006 or so in in many European countries. Uh, The issue with the HPV virus is, of course, that it can lead to cervical cancer in women. It is a sexual transmitted disease. So the policy is now to, and has been for a while, to give it to, to girls around 11, 12, 13 years of age before they get uh, sexually active uh, but i have actually pointed out early uh, on previous shows uh, that we should also give this to to the boys uh, because even if they can't get cervical cancer they are involved in spreading the disease precisely and yeah but now these this is starting to happen uh, we have the irish prime minister or tsoc T-Shocks, I think that's how you pronounce it, Leo Varadkar, uh, who uh, recently uh, pledged to implement this uh, next year in Ireland, that is vaccination, HPV uh, vaccinations for for boys. Uh, The government in England has announced similar plans, and now uh, it's also been suggested in Denmark and the Danish initiative is actually a bit surprising to me. Uh, very, and it's a good surprise. But in Denmark, there's been a small but very loud anti-vax movement claiming that many girls have been hurt by the HPV vaccine, which of course is nonsense. But uh, so uh, anyway, we, we we may see this coming around several countries in Europe, and that's a good thing. Hmm. I'm I'm wondering when it is uh, probably becoming uh, mandatory because there is a very strong opposition uh, to HPV vaccination in general. And there are conspiracy theories as well of spreading about HPV, at least in my country. I know about that. But uh, I don't know about other countries. Well, I, I don't know. But, I mean, we can go into this discussion again. My opinion is still that making it mandatory only feeds to conspiracy yeah, theorists. Yeah, you might be so, right. But so, so yeah. getting, it, getting it into the general program, offering it to everybody and combining that with lots of education and uh, spreading, you know, the, 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 the scientific... Uh, facts about it i think that is probably in my opinion a better way to go okay but yeah there are there are issues and there are moments when you don't really know it's not a really clear cut as to where uh, which which one is the best solution no i agree it's it's hard to prove yeah, yeah. Uh, staying with the, the topic of vaccination 
In Germany, there is a new movie, a documentary, so-called documentary, spreading and gaining more and more ground and very much of support, uh, even getting um, several awards. And that is titled Eingeimpft Familie mit Nebenwirkungen. Okay, I'll try to... <laughs> I'll try to translate <laughs> it. So, <laughs> yeah. the, the translation is inoculated mm -hmm. families with side effects ah. and it's about as you might have guessed it's about vaccination and when a family is struggling to decide whether to vaccinate their kids and stuff and they go through all the different um, research and that and and all i mean internet research and that kind of stuff so and the film the documentary was done by david sieveking Uh, who is apparently a well-known filmmaker in Germany. And uh, the film gets very much attention. But at, according to Natalie Grams, she, she wrote an article on Spectrum. And as I could... Obviously, I had to use Google Translate, but what I could work out of it is that she is not in very much of a support of this uh, movie because it's misleading. And... I took the initiative and asked her directly. So I wrote wrote her um, a message because I'm, I was not sure whether I understood it correctly. And she said, yes, uh, it is a totally misleading and dangerous film because um, what it does, the, the, the film uh, shows uh, the, the, the so-called private research of, of a young father and... Um, and shows the all the, the the anxieties most of them false anxieties that are based on false accusations and false claims and uh and trusting the the wrong experts or sometimes not even experts at all and get, get, drives the conclusion that everybody should make this individual decision based on their own circumstances yeah. and that is really very very dangerous because that means you leave it up to them And it is an egocentric, it's a self-based kind of approach. And in order for you to understand the necessity of vaccination, you have to be able to think big and, and see the big picture and see that if you don't vaccinate, then you risk for the whole society, the whole of society, to go under the level of herd immunity. And that will cause troubles which we see in our everyday lives. So Natalie Grams goes as far as to saying that it is probably a more dangerous movie than Vaxxed. Really? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. At least with Vaxxed, you know exactly what the agenda is, right? That they are against vaccinations. And you can point that out. But with a movie like this... I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm I'm totally basing this on what Natalie Grams wrote about it mm. and what I found on Wikipedia. Oh, by the way, mentioning Wikipedia, it's a good thing that um, th there is a website on German Wikipedia for this movie. And there is a sec section uh, titled Criticism. And Natalie Grams is specifically mentioned, and her criticism against the movie is specifically mentioned on the Wikipedia article. So well done. Mm -hmm. Really good work. What, whoever did this, I have to congratulate you guys because it's, uh, 
it's really good that it's mentioned there. Yeah, yeah. I know Wikipedia actually works uh, most of the time, a lot of the time, anyway. And we should also mention that Natalie Grams is the the homeopath, the ex homeopath. Yeah. The, no, she was the homeopath, and she she wanted to refute all the criticism uh, against homeopathy. She so she sat down and looked into the evidence, and she realized. Oh my God, I'm wrong. Homeopathy is bullshit. So we have a big respect for her. She is, uh, um, yeah, she's a fantastic human being. Yeah, this is exactly why I I did contact her directly when when I was in doubt about yeah. this article. Yeah. So thank you very much, Natalie, and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah. I I hope this movie doesn't get international attention then. <laughs> right. All right, so let's stay in Germany. We've talked about uh, the German conference uh, SkepCon uh, 2018. Oh, well, that was this year. We talked about that with uh, Annika Merkelbach uh, in, uh, on episode 127. And uh, now uh, I'm happy to, to announce that the preparations are ongoing for next year's conference, which will take place in Augsburg, uh, which is outside of Munich, over three days, starting uh, on the 30th of uh, May. Uh, and uh, what they've gone out with now is a call for papers, and we look forward to hearing more about that in the future. And if you are interested uh, to submit papers, we will link to that on uh, on the show notes. It, the, the link goes to GWUP, which is the German Skeptics Organization, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Yeah, there is something that I'd like to mention. It's not specifically uh, because it's news per se, but um, it's a recently published blog post by Edzard Ernst on his own blog that uh, that caught my attention. And I'd like to bring it up because it's important, I think. And um, it's about German uh, pharmacists and how they fail to, to provide customers with the right uh, customer service when advising them on homeopathy. And why I think it's really important is because it's understandable that uh, uh, companies... Oh, so we know, uh, uh, firstly, because of Natalie Grams and, uh, and her co-workers at uh, Homeopathy Information Network in Germany, which is a, is a very great initiative uh, by the German Skeptical Association uh, GWP. So they bang on how homeopathy is pseudoscience and it shouldn't be propagated and it shouldn't be allowed in the public health system either. But it still leaves the question open whether pharmacists should sell homeopathic products as an option. So the, do they have to offer the option of, of uh, homeopathic remedies? And Isodernis um, argues that it's totally dishonest by uh, pharmacists to not to provide the the proper information regarding the pseudoscientific nature of homeopathy and he even even puts together um a, a dialogue an an imaginative dialogue on his uh, uh, uh blog post where the pharmacist actually tells the customer that yeah if you insist that you want homeopathic remedies yeah you can have them but you have to know that they are proven not to work (laughs) (laughs) imagine imagine that conversation in real life Mm. right but that would be the honest thing to do yeah but that made me think 
And a couple of months ago, um, uh, it was uh, the Hungarian website, uh, a Hungarian news website, uh, publishing an article regarding how, even though when when the European Academy's Science Advisory Council came out with uh, that that report of homeopathy being totally bunk, it was an issue that that was discussed uh, at length, and. Uh, the Hungarian um, Council of uh, Pharmacists, um, Hong, Zoltán Honko, g- gave an actual interview. And um, he says that in order for these homeopathic remedies to get off the shelves of uh, pharmacies in Hungary, the European Commission should actually initiate a change in the pharmacological register that is a European thing. So by the time something is in the register of medicines, you have to be able to provide that to your customers, right? And that is a dilemma. Mm. Because you have to be able to offer it, Yeah. but it leaves some space to what Edzard Ernst advocates, that you should still be able to give the proper advice to your customers. Yeah, okay, keep it on your shelf. Yeah. But tell your customers not to go for it. Because it's not it's not right. Yeah. But you know, I, I think I'm I'm so tired of this uh, uh, opinion that say, well, we don't we know it doesn't work, but since the customers want it, we have to put it on the shelf. Oh, you know what? I don't think I don't buy that. You don't have to put it on the shelf. I think it's outright cynical. To, to yeah, do that. it is. Yeah. It it yeah, that tells you that they're in the business for selling whatever shit they can exactly. find in not 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 you know doing what's right yeah, yeah. so yeah stop stop screw, yeah, screw, screw that, that. <laughs> screw that do your job be in the business for the right causes i mean i understand you have to make money but yeah. you can make money by selling medicinal products that actually work yeah i think so <laughs> all right so yeah it's it's not it's not news per se but yeah I think it's worth mentioning. So actually, I need to ask you a question, Pontus. Um, there's going to be an election in Sweden on 9th of September? Correct. It's a general election okay. for, for the parliament. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's a fairly big event. Um, and um, as a precursor to this event, apparently there was a study done to show that there was a surge in automated Twitter accounts. Of course, we know what the study is looking for. Uh, it's looking for presumably Russian <laughs> spies <laughs> uh, influencing Swedish elections. But let you know, I'm not gonna. Say, okay, I'll take that back. That was my own opinion. <laughs> opinion is of my own and nobody else's. So yes, and um, so the study noting that 40% of all those um, automated Twitter accounts are more likely to support the anti-immigration Sweden Democrats Party rather than any anybody else. And this study uh, came uh, amid broader concerns over misinformation ahead of the election. Um, I guess um, they worried that their campaign will be taken over by uh, misinformation and fake news. So uh, the researcher, Joanne Frenquist, said the number of so-called Twitter bots discussing politics nearly doubled from July to August. And uh, the report 
uh, said that users may be led to believe the, that the content is more widely accepted or more mainstream than it actually is, uh, therefore drawing people into the discussions. So they've analyzed 600,000 tweets for more than 45,000 accounts. The study doesn't actually specify who is behind those bots. <laughs> so, you know, my Russian comment is just because... Yeah, we seem to be blaming everything bad on Russia. They might not even know that, yeah. right? It could be hard to, 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 to find out. Yeah. So the hope is that the greater awareness of these uh, possible of the possible effects of the bots um, will make more citizens being less affected by them, if you know what I mean. So if you know that these the, there are so many fake accounts on Twitter, it'll be it'll make you a bit more aware of all the posts out there and maybe people mm. won't be as affected i'm not sure if if this poll if the strategy will work we'll see yeah so i think the same uh, rhetoric is being repeated in sweden as, as it was in america that it, it's becoming more obvious that um the foreign powers are trying to influence an election and its outcome um obviously it's affected the u.s election and the swedish uh, people cannot assume that um, they are immune i don't know i guess I was, I was my first question was why would russia care but anyways i'm not gonna go there so the poll suggests that the Sweden Democrats are currently the country's third largest political group, uh, but considered a pariah in Swedish politics, could become Sweden's second largest party and surpass the main. Yeah, and they are in some yeah, in, in some, some areas, polls. Yeah, they are the they yeah. are the second one. Mm. Um, and then and they they might surpass the main opposition party, Liberal Moderates. Um, the Sweden's largest party, uh, the ruling Social Democrats, apparently. Uh, uh, that's who they are. I've learned a lot about Swedish democracy today. Uh, <laughs> built the country's famed welfare state. So the Swedish Democrats, born out of r- radical nationalist movement with neo-Nazi links, has softened its rhetoric and expelled openly race- racist members, and they gained popularity uh, amid the debate about immigration, which is a key topic in the election. So I guess it's worth to mention that um, Scandinavian country th- that's only got 10 million population took 163,000 refugees during the dramatic influ- influx of immigrants uh, in 2015. And it was the highest per capita rate in Europe. Mm. Um, so obviously the effect of that is now seen by, by the rise of this uh, party. Yeah, you know, I have one comment to say, and that is that if you have to put Democrat in the name of your party, that probably means you're not. (laughs) Good point. But um, (laughs) but, but yeah, well, let's, let's, uh, you probably will keep an eye on it as well, Pontus. Are you obviously for voting as well? Am am I right? I will be voting twice if I can, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So How, how worried are you? I'm very worried because, you know, it is the good news is that Sweden Democrats are, as you said, regarded as pariah by the other established parties. Nobody wants to be seen collaborating with them, but they are big. And what it what happens is that you've had two blocks up until a couple of years ago or few elections ago you had two blocks you have the social democratic uh, left-leaning block and yeah. then you had the more right 
leaning moderate par- parties on the right but they were i mean by international standards they're very very left even mm-hmm. if they're called mm-hmm. the right in, in in sweden but now you we have the the sweden democrats and they are sort of the third block that nobody wants to collaborate mm-hmm. with but that means that none of the traditional blocks will get a majority mm-hmm. so so the question is who is going to want to collaborate with the sweden democrats to form a, a majority so far it's nobody but my fear it is that eventually somebody will cave in yeah. and try to collaborate with or them. Or worst yeah. case scenario they don't have to because they get they they get a majority of the votes. Yeah, that seems unlikely but uh, I and I hope that's not just wishful thinking from my side. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I'm I would be much more cautious of uh, with saying anything like that since we've seen Trump rising and no one expected him to win. Yeah. <laughs> and well, things yeah. like like Brexit and 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 what happens in several different con- other countries as well. Nobody expected our Hungarian governing party to win with a landslide again. And yet they did. No. No, you're you're, you're absolutely right. So so I'm worried but I, I, you know, I, I still have to hope mm. for the best. And that's good. You know, this election, I, I have not yet voted for this in this election, and I've never been so undecided. The only thing I want to do is to vote against yeah. the Sweden yeah, yeah. Democrats, yeah. and 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 you can't do that. So, how do I do this the best way? I don't know. Oh God, still don't know. I have a week to to make my mind up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. Let us know, you know, whether the... Do you think that the surge of, let's call them fake Twitter accounts, make any difference on... uh, can potentially influence the elections? Yes, I I absolutely think it can. And it will, and it has. Is is Twitter big in being in Sweden? Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I think it, these forces are active on all social yeah. media, mm. and I I think absolutely yes, it has an influence. We will have to try to make everybody aware that these are not necessarily objective views. This this is this is malevolent uh, influ- trying people trying to influence the election in in fake ways but it's hard hmm. all right let's hope for the best for for not only sweden's sake yeah because if sweden falls in that regard i'm i mean sorry sorry for being so dramatic but sweden who's next then yeah then then we're then we're screwed yeah, yeah but sweden is one of the the last standing fortresses of democracy in europe and uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a rare thing to come across these days, and and yeah. uh, I I'm really hoping that uh, it stays what it's famous for. I mean, your country. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, but I think we can all agree that politicians are not are not to be trusted, and they are not to be trusted with our future because our future have has to be driven by societal actions. And luckily, there is this one guy in austria and he's a photographer 
He uh, studied, a um, I think he studied uh, sciences, natural sciences of some kind uh, at university. And uh, he again then ended up being a wildlife photographer. But not only wildlife, but he does photography of certain things that are of concern for the whole of society, like uh, waste and how much food we waste. And then he puts not only the picture, the picture is very strong, it's very powerful, but then he associates with the picture all the different details, like how much it had to travel to get on your table uh, that you are wasting because it's rotting in your fridge or somewhere, and how much uh, water it required to generate or produce and that kind of stuff. So it's very, very powerful. But but then he 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 went on to do the same thing with pseudoscientific claims and all the bogus, nonsensical um, movements out there, uh, from chemtrails uh, to the healing boxes, um, different claims regarding energy uh, remedies, uh, and 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 everything that is out there, and. Uh, his name is Klaus Pichler, and uh, we're gonna link to uh, his his works. Of uh, he he went into this endeavor of of trying to figure out the different pseudosciences and and these cults and everything. So he went uh, undercover to these places, and he really went deep. But he associated every single thing that he came across with a certain picture. And there, there is a website where, where he published all his findings. And the, the project title is, This Will Change Your Life Forever. Wow. <laughs> and it's really powerful. I don't like titles like that. Exactly. We will definitely provide the link to the, uh, on the show notes. And, uh, and it's, it, it reminds you to how much pseudoscience there is out there and to what extent you can be fooled and how many different places we can accept these to emerge from and 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 sometimes he even uh, mentions how much we spend on stuff that is absolutely unsubstantiated so (laughs) great job klaus pichler and uh, I hope everyone will enjoy this. Mm. Right. And this brings us to the end of our news segment, which uh, yeah ended up quite a long one this week. Uh, but let's move on to a new uh, recently introduced segment, When Pontus Pokes the Pope. Oh boy, yeah, where oh to boy. begin? That's a good beginning. The, yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> this really, you know, it's a fucking full-time job these days to follow the adventures of Pope <laughs> Frankfurt. You know, I'm sure everybody, I'm sure everybody has heard uh, about the atrocities that have been revealed in Pennsylvania in the U.S. to start with. Yeah, it it, it can only be described as a systematic rape and molestation of about. Uh, carried out by about 300 named priests, documented by themselves and with deliberate cover-ups and routines to make sure that it would stay hidden. Well, hint, it didn't because they kept records of it. It's fantastically ironic and stupid at the same time and tragic. And also, just to make things clear, this 
story in Pennsylvania. This covers only about six dioceses. Dioceses? Is that that the plural of diocese? Diocese, yeah. Well, anyway, only six of them. And there are several hundred in the US alone. And so I am betting that there are more scandals uh, just waiting to explode. We have also the situation in Ireland, of course, which is in focus when it comes to, to Catholic scandals, including sexual abuse, of course, but also mistreatment of unmarried mothers, uh, special homes, in quotation marks, for, for children born uh, by these mothers, and a terrible shaming and mistreating of, of both the mothers and the children. This has led to the recent visit in, to Ireland uh, by, by the Pope being a terrible PR fail for, for uh, well, his Popeness, with very low turnout of people. And, and actually, I think you could consider it a, a general fiasco. If we go back to 1979, when the last papal visit took place in Ireland, one and a half million people took to the streets to welcome John Paul II. But this time... They only had half a million tickets, there's still a lot of tickets, uh, to be distributed among interested people for, for uh, uh, Pope Francis' uh, visit. Only 130,000 people showed up for that event. And it's still a, quite a crowd, but it's less than a, a tenth of the people that showed up in 1979. So... How is his schmoliness handling all of this? <laughs> what did you say? Schmoliness. Uh, <laughs> well, he, he didn't. He didn't handle it very good. That's that, that's the answer. When he was flying back from Ireland, he couldn't stop himself from saying that parents should look for psychiatric help if their children show homosexual tendencies. Fuck what off! The actual fuck. He's again blaming like seven-year-olds for seducing the priests. That's what he is implying by that statement. No. So he had to remove this remark, of course, but it's still on, on the video. If you look for, for the interview on, online, you can hear him saying that. He also tweeted, quote, we must protect the family. Our future depends on it which resulted in accusations of being tone-deaf and sounding like Don Corleone, right? La familia. We have to protect la familia, right? So, so he, he doesn't know how to handle this at all. Yet another fake accent. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, he then became very defensive and tweeted that the church is actually not selling a product. And that backfired as well. So he had to take that tweet down as well and it's not even true uh, they are selling a product no yeah. no yeah well of course they're selling a product so he's also received internal criticism for from within the, the uh from the vatican uh, especially interesting is um there's an archbishop called carlo maria vigano I think he's Italian. Sounds like it. 77 years old. He's a former Vatican ambassador to the US. And he has called for Pope Francis to resign, claiming that the Pope knew about the US allegations of the things that we are now finding out about Pennsylvania already in, in 2015, but he failed to take action. He called it, and I quote, a conspiracy of silence not so dissimilar from the one that prevails in the mafia. So there we have another mafia reference 
from within the, the, the Vatican itself. Nice. But the real interesting thing about this is that Vigano is not considered a very liberal guy. He's actually a very conservative guy. Mm. And the implication is that there are forces in the Catholic Church that wants to get rid of uh, Pope Francis, not because he's too conservative, but it be because he's too progressive. So now the drama is really complete. While we pop the popcorn, waiting <laughs> like for this... It's like a Mexican soap opera. <laughs> yeah, for this glorious civil war to break out within the Vatican, we will have to continue to poke the Pope because he's still wrong. And uh, that's how it is. <laughs> okay, so now we establish that the Pope is still wrong. But you're going to have to come up with a really wrong as well. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, why don't you do that? Yeah, I will. Funnily enough, my really wrong this week is also about religion. <laughs> so <laughs> I see a pattern here. It's a pattern, but it's not about Catholicism at all. Just before a week before the, the general election, elections that we mentioned earlier, uh, several parties want to forbid uh, religious organizations to run so-called free schools in Sweden. And we have a story which proves that this is absolutely necessary. The so-called free schools in Sweden are private schools which has received permission to be an alternative to the normal public school. And uh, they are receiving as well funding from the authorities. Mm-hmm. But there is a scandal coming to light involving a, this is a small congregation that for about 25 years have been running such a school uh, a bit north of Gothenburg in a small town called Jungsile. I don't expect you to be able to pronounce that, but it's Jungsile. Jungsile. Oh, very good. Very good. Okay. So or just to back up a bit, free schools are legally obliged to follow the national curriculums and they are forbidden to propagate any religion. But uh, even religious congregations are permitted to drive such free schools if they keep their religion out of the classroom. But the fuckwits in Jungsile seems to have been able to comprehend what that really means. <laughs> and it has now been revealed that this school has functioned very much like a cult, with even some parents claiming not to know what was going on. For one thing, music and sports have been described to the students as portals to hell. And the outside world, everything outside the school has been described as the waste. And you should not have anything to do with it. Many students uh, have now grown up, of course, and reported mental issues as a result of this. And at least eight have tried to to commit suicide as part of this oh, and several more have contemplated this the the headmaster has already resigned from the school and investigations are continued to be carried out by a newspaper called gp that's uh Boris posten which means the gothenburg post so it, it's a well-known uh swedish newspaper there are no uh, police investigations as yet, as far as I have heard, uh, but the reports uh, tell me that it absolutely has to come. The reports are 
really, really terrible to read. And it shows clearly how effingly stupid religions can be and how absolutely they must be held outside the classroom and in outside actually any public institutions for that matter. This school uh, has, by the looks of it, ruined perhaps hundreds of young children's lives over the last decades. And they've likely converted others as well into believing in their made-up bullshit. So for that, they get today's prize for being really wrong. Deservingly so, yeah. Yeah. In Sweden, you know? Sweden, the most secular country there is, right? Yeah. And this is going on behind... Uh, and, it, like you know, even parents are saying, we didn't know why our children... Uh, were feeling so bad we didn't know what was wrong with them and now we realize that it was the school that we heard so much good about that was actually ruining their lives it's terrible it's terrible i've, I've been fascinated with that, that how uh, for a long long time that how much damage can schools do to children you wouldn't think so at the beginning, but then, then when you start gathering all the all the evidence as to how many children have been mentally disturbed by whatever they came across at school, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And and when it when it comes to religion, it should definitely be regarded as something outside of the school. Yeah. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be allowed in the school. You shouldn't even have to it's, say it. I mean, it's so obvious, yeah. right? It should. Yeah. It should. It should go without saying. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. Okay. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. I'm afraid we're gonna have to conclude this show very, very soon because it's uh, it's gonna be a very, very long one. So, in order for us to do that, I'd like to ask you, Yelena, to share a quote with us. The quote is from somebody from Scotland, because I, I thought I have to. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Adam Smith, who is a, mo uh, a moral philosopher, uh, an economist. Anyway, so this is what he said. Science is the great antidote to the poison of enthusiasm and superstition. And I really love that a lot. Hmm. Yeah, um, I have a feeling that enthusiasm meant a, a, something different from from how we perceive it these days. No, well, do, yeah, do you no. reckon? Because enthu reckon? enthusiasm, yeah, enthusiasm is not necessarily a bad thing, right? No, well, it's not a bad <laughs> thing, but it can lead you to places where you uh, yeah. lose your sense yeah. of rational thinking. Yeah, yeah. but there you yeah, go. yeah, it ma makes you not to question things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it from me. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. But it's a great quote. I like mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Yelena. And indeed, thank you very much to both of you for joining me today. And uh, uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Paka paka. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, 
please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Frab and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Okay. Molto bene. Molto bene. Ma ora... Itadakimasu. Ora cominciamo il show. <laughs> I don't know how it's... Let's how start it's... the show. That's what you're trying to say, right? <laughs> Let's start the show, yeah. Okay. Better so? Yes, it is. Okay, very good then. Good then. Good then. Gosh, okay. what kind of accent are we doing now? No, no, we have no idea what we're doing when we are trying to do accents. It's just something that comes. Our podcast is about to end. I mean, not the podcast itself. Our episode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck it. We're not going to end the podcast. Never. So, never. <laughs> never say never, but not not yet. That's a sh-